This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 10. That's going to be our passage of Scripture today. We're going to just walk primarily through it. I've got some supporting passages that we will use, but I primarily want to walk through Luke chapter 10. Now, as you're taking your Bibles, clicking in your devices over there, let me say to all that have never joined or been a part of School of Discipleship, this week we're starting a virtual School of Discipleship. We've removed the requirement that you have to go to an encounter. So if you've not gone through School of Discipleship, we're going to start it this coming week. Uh, We want you to be a part of it. There's information on the screen uh, that you could uh, text and find out more. We're starting all three levels. So those of you that have been in School of Discipleship, level two and level three, it's starting as well this week. We'd love for you all to be a part if you haven't uh, uh, joined that uh, journey. Today, I want to talk to you about courageous compassion. Say that to somebody next to you. Courageous compassion. I I need to feel you a little bit louder. Come on. Courageous compassion. Those at home, uh, just let me see you in the chat box there. Let me know that you're engaging with us. Today's message, I'm going to tell you from the beginning, is a message that challenges us. It's a call to action. It's a call to prayer. It's a call for biblical transformation. Too many times we're looking at what God will do for us when God is speaking and he's saying to us, and it's the call to action, I want to work through you. What I desire to do through you is greater than you could ever imagine. And if you will allow my spirit to work through you, if courage will rise up, if compassion will rise up, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nation. Can I just hear an amen in the house today? You see, we're going to have just tremendous opportunities in the days and months ahead to show compassion. Compassion to feed the uh, to feed the hungry. Compassion to plant churches. Compassion to to reach out to those that are hurting, to those that need the love of God to be shown to them in practical ways. Sometimes as Pentecostals, we can get caught up in experiencing God, but we cannot forget that God wants to work through us to touch a lost and a dying world and a world that's hurting around us. Can can I just get an agreement for a moment that we can grab this? You are an incredible church, and God has done incredible things. Next week, I'm going to show you some numbers of what God has done just through our giving as kingdom builders in the last 10 years alone. And boy, we've been uh, giving to missions and as kingdom builders for over 40 years. If I could track back and give the numbers, it would be astounding as to what we've been able to do. Together, we're touching lives and changing hearts and seeing God do an incredible thing. And I believe God wants to do more in us and through us. And we've got to be a people in a church that are courageous, and we've got to be people in a church that, that allow that compassion, the love of God, to flow through us. So today, I'm just telling you from the very beginning, the message for the next 25, 30 minutes is going to challenge you and I to resonate in our spirit, to let courage rise up so that compassion will flow through, with, flow through us. Can I hear uh, just amen one more time? 
All right, I want you to take your Bibles, look with me here in Luke chapter 10. I'm gonna begin reading in verse 25. I looked at this scripture a few years ago, but I wanna look at it from a different perspective. It's a story that we've heard quite often, but today I wanna talk to you. I wanna look at it from the angle of what God is desiring, the challenge I've just given, what God is desiring for you and me. In verse 25, it says on one occasion, an expert in the law. This was a religious leader. He knew the the Torah. He knew the Old Testament. He knew the law very well. An expert in the law, the religious law, the Jewish law. He stood up to test Jesus. (laughs) What arrogance this man has. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Now, first of all, Jesus is going to help us to understand that in our journey of following him that will lead us to eternity with God the Father and peace with God, there are some very important things. There are some things that you and I cannot forget. You see, sometimes we focus on the prayer of salvation, and that is important. The prayer of salvation is a surrendering and saying, God, be the Lord of my life. Forgive forgive me for my sin. Come in and lead me, guide me, become the Lord in, in everything. It's a surrender to the Lord that brings us peace with God. But Jesus is going to show us in this passage that the prayer is the beginning. In fact, he goes on to say what is written in the law. He replied, how do you read it? And he's going to begin to unpack for you and I, what does it mean to have eternal life? Well, he, he answered the, the expert in the law, the religious expert, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. Now here at Christian Life Center, that's one of the key values of our church, We have four core values. One of those four core values. Values are why we exist. Values help me and our our leadership team, our board and our leaders and our pastors to know what should we be doing. And one of the core values is that you and I would experience God. I like to say that we have a passionate spirituality, that we love the Lord with all of our heart, say it with me, our mind, our soul, and our strength. That there is a passionate spirituality that says, God, I'm going to allow your glory to come into our midst and everything within me, God. I want to learn to love you. Why? Because I know that you love me and I want to learn to love you with everything I got. Now, if you're a part of Christian Life Center, I hope that that is a passion that's rising up within you, that there is an increased awareness in you of the presence of God of the glory of God, that we don't take for granted the moments like we had today in our service where we can soak in his presence and we can worship him and our hands can rise up, raise them up to the heavens and say, God, I I love you, I worship you, I honor you. Let your glory be manifested. Man, my prayer for you and I is that the glory in the presence of God would fill us, that there would be such a love for God, a hatred for sin, right? A hatred for the things of this world that pull us away from God and a love that says, God, I give you everything, everything. I worship you, I love you, I honor you. 
And my prayer for us as a church is, is that God, that we would love you so much that, that as we go through this city, that we would be light. The glory of God would be shining in our homes, on the work site, wherever we're at, in the classroom, in the grocery store, wherever the people of Christian Life Center go. Let the glory of God be evident in their life. That you would be a church that's unified, that you would be a church that's empowered, that you would be a church that's determined we're gonna reach the loss and we're gonna do everything we can to help them come in to a place where they can experience the presence of God. Pastor Candy said earlier, a place where the miracles of God are moving. God, we've heard about revivals. We've heard about miracles in other places. But God, we're contending for it. We're running for it. We're seeking and asking and knocking and longing for the outpouring of the supernatural in our midst. I don't want to just read about it in scripture. I want us to experience it as we are a people of God that pursue him. If you didn't get it, I'm going to keep talking until you get a little louder in the building, right? <laughs> that it resonates in our spirit. That we love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, our soul, with everything in us. We're going to love you. Well, the, the religious leader understood that one. And the religious usually do understand that one, right? We, we talk about that and we pursue it and it's important. Now it cannot become just ritual and it can't just become religious activity. It's gotta be something, I believe, that's in our heart that moves us. But then he goes on to say, and, read it with me, love your neighbor as yourself. Do me a favor and just underline or circle the word as. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, loving God is a little abstract. You can't really see when someone really loves God. Oh, they might have the actions. There might be things that they do, but it's, it's abstract. But loving your neighbor as yourself, now that's a demonstration of real love. That's a demonstration that you're on the path. What do I do to inherit eternal life? Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's a radical concept, right? You love, you love others as you love yourself, like you love you. You love your neighbor. I mean, we all take care of ourselves, most of us, right? We, we watch out for ourselves. We, 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 we try to look good. We, we, uh, uh, you know, we try to take care of, of the things that are important. And here he's saying that a part of my command is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Paul, over later in the New Testament, will touch on this same idea. This is Jesus over in Luke, and, and I'm not leaving Luke. We're going to continue to walk through it. But Paul says the entire law, the entire law, what law? Well, the law that the religious leader was trying to test Jesus on, all of the law is summed up in one command. And that command is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything is summed up in that. Why? Because it's practical. 
I mean, if you want to know what it looks like, you go over to 1 Corinthians 13 and you begin to see what real love is. All the law. How do we get eternal life? It's all summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul didn't say it's summed up in love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. He says it's all summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So how do I look at it practically as I can go to 1 Corinthians 13 and I can begin to read through it and everywhere the word love is, I put my name. Tom is kind. Tom is patient. And I begin to walk through it and I replace the word love with the word Tom or with your name and you begin to walk through it and let it be a time of evaluation. Love is a demonstration and it's practical. And so he says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Well, here Jesus, as he begins to share it, Jesus says, you said and answered correctly. Do this and you will live, live eternal life. You will have eternity, reach eternity with God the Father. How do I inherit eternal life? You do this and you'll reach eternal life. But he wanted to justify himself. He was looking for a loophole. And we usually are looking for loopholes, right? We're looking for an escape. This guy, this religious leader, didn't want to do more than he had to. He didn't want to love unnecessarily. And for us, we often are the same. So he's trying to justify himself. And he says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? So Jesus defined for me who is my neighbor. Now, Jesus is going to give him a story. He's going to talk about three different guys, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. A priest led the temple, a Levite worked in the temple, and then a Samaritan was considered a half-breed. They were despised by the Jews. So those that worked in the temple would have struggled with their prejudices against Samaritans. And Jesus is going to give a story. It's a crime scene that these three walk up on. They encounter this crime scene and and they're going to have different attitudes. Who is my neighbor is a question that we have to wrestle with. If we're going to have courageous compassion, it's got to be something that moves us. I would say before we walk through the, 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 the last few scriptures here that my neighbor is anybody that's in the sphere, in the, in the sphere of my life. It could be coworkers, it could be literal neighbors, it could be those that you go to school with, they're in every single class that you, uh, that you attend. It might be other parents on the sports teams that, that your children are on. It, it might be those that you literally are passing uh, on a regular basis. Maybe it's a restaurant you frequent regularly. Maybe it's a grocery store and, and you begin to develop relationships. Who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus begins to help us to understand that. If you will, look here. Jesus, going further, answers him. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. If you go with us to Israel, you will see from Jerusalem to Jericho, that'd be like saying a man was going down from Boca to Miami. 
That's pretty much what he was saying. Going from Jerusalem to Jericho, when he fell into the hands of some robbers. It's a crime scene. There's a crime that has taken place. The robbers strip him and take his clothes. Clothes. They didn't have closets of, of garments like we have today. Uh, so that would be a, a, a precious commodity. They stripped him and took his clothes. They beat him. And then they went away. And they left him half dead. Now, first of all, some of us in this room and some that are watching online, you might feel like this year's been a year that has beat you, right? Pounding, 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 pounding. I mean, punch after punch after punch. But what I love about it, and it's not in my sermon as a main point, but I just want to encourage you for a moment. You might be half dead, but you're not dead. You might have been stripped, you might have been beaten, you might have been knocked down, but you are not destroyed and it's not over. 2021 is a year of reset, it's new beginnings. <laughs> and there's just a word for someone is it's coming, breakthrough is coming. We sang about it, we're declaring it, breakthrough is coming. So he's left half dead, half dead, but he's not all the way dead. Uh, you know, how you doing? I'm half dead. Well, okay. I don't think I'd want to answer that way, but I'm not dead. Glory to God. So a priest. Now a priest represents God to the people and the people to God. I mean, we understand this, uh, this role of the priest. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man, he comes up on the crime scene. And when he comes up on it, it says he goes to the other side and he passes. Now this angers me, I have to tell you as a pastor. And it challenges me as a pastor. Is God let me not look past the hurts and, and the needs and, and the things that are happening around me. I mean, this is somebody that's representing God to the people and, and, and the people to God and he passes someone that's hurting and in need and he goes to the other side. I mean, it hits every leader, every pastor, each one that's mature in your walk for the Lord, that's serving God, it hits us and he goes to the other side. Well, as he goes to the other side, it says, so to a Levite, now, a Levite served the church. He would work with the priests. He would work in the church. In our case, it could be volunteers. Those that are volunteering in the church doing the work of God. So let's just say a volunteer. When he came up, he came to the same place and he saw him. So he looks there, but he too passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came along. Now, as soon as the word Samaritan as a people group would have been mentioned, the religious leader of the law would have cringed. There was such a deep hatred and, and prejudice that was there. He would have cringed inside, but a Samaritan, there's a sub-theme that's running through the story right here. A Samaritan who came by, someone that you wouldn't think would care for a Jew, a Jew despised Samaritan. Samaritans despised Jew. But the Samaritan comes upon him. He doesn't do what you thought he would have done. When he comes on the man and he sees him, he saw him. It says, underline it in your notes, he took what? Pity on 
him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, which would have been an ointment of the day. He put the man on his own donkey. He took him to an inn and took care of him. And then the next day, he took out two silver coins. He, he, he took out about a week's wages and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. And Jesus asked the question, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I want to share with you five quick points. I've already shared the scripture. I want to get the points within your heart. If we're going to have courageous compassion, courageous compassion like the Samaritan, It begins by you and I remembering God's mercy for us. When we look at the scripture, it says he had pity on him and he had mercy on him. What is so painful about the story is those that should have had mercy and compassion walked by him. The priests, the pastors, the the leaders, the volunteers, those that serve in the church, those that should have had mercy and compassion pass by to the other side. Not seeing the pain and the hurt and oh, it's so easy for all of us to forget, to forget what God has done for us and, and the mercy that he's given to you and I, that he has rescued us. In fact, the longer we walk with God, the longer you serve God and you're in the house of God, the easier it is to forget the mercy that God has shown to you and to me. We get familiar with what we see. We get familiar with just trying to grow our walk in relationship with God. We get so comfortable just going through the motions of being in worship and experiencing God and experiencing the presence of God. And then we go out into the world and we forget the mercy that's been shown to us. And I'm speaking to all of us, myself included, is God, let me not forget the mercy that you've shown to me and to us, oh God. Let us not forget it. That which we should be doing, how we should be responding, what we should be as a people of God. Let us not forget that the reason we show mercy is because you've showed mercy to us, oh God. That God, your mercy would continue to move me. Your mercy would continue to remind me that if it wasn't for the grace of God and the love of God and the mercy of God, where I am and where you're at today may not be what's happening in our life. So much more could have gone wrong and so much more could have happened. Courageous compassion starts by remembering the mercy that God has shown to us. But it also leads us to a place of never forgetting that we have a purpose in life. We say it around here that we're messengers of hope. Courageous compassion never forgets that there is a purpose in our life. What the priest and the Levi should have done, they should have done it, they didn't do it. And they have this attitude. In fact, I have it as a, uh, one of the attitudes of, of the three in the story. The first attitude was an attitude of avoidance. 
I'm going to avoid that which is happening. There was a man going down and he falls upon robbers and he's stripped and he's beaten and he's left half dead. And there he is. And the priest comes along and the priest moves over to the other side of the road. You see, it's so easy for you and I to fall into a lifestyle of avoidance. We don't want the needs and the pains and the emotional hurts and and all of the the frustrations that people may have. We don't want to get close to it. And so we push ourselves away from it because if we get close, we're going to have to help them. So we don't stop. We don't roll the window down. We don't engage in the conversation. I mean, I've been trying to uh, open up a dialogue with one of my neighbors. He's a, a, a Indian uh, descent. And boy, I mean, it's so, uh, you know, it's like a few words and then there's a wall that goes up and I just keep pushing further and further and further trying to get that dialogue. But the reality is it's so easy just to keep walking my dog and say, hi, how you doing? And not take time to stop and engage. It's so easy to keep the conversation superficial. Because if I get involved and I take time to engage in the story, now I'm going to begin to feel the pain and the hurt and the emotional turmoil. And it's easier just to avoid it by keeping the relationship superficial. We live in a time and an age. We live in, in a world today that says, say, isolated, keep it superficial, don't go deep. And there's this lifestyle of avoidance. But for you and I, I want us to see today in in these moments that the core of our Christian faith is a, a faith that loves. It's a faith that demonstrates. It's a love that is looking. It's a love that sees the hurt. It's a love that's aware. I mean, the scripture that we read uh, here in in verse 33 says that he saw the man's condition and his heart went out to him. So my prayer is, God, help me to see and let there be a heart. Maybe you don't move with empathy. Maybe you don't move with sympathy. So God, help me to feel it. Let me see it. Let me be moved by it. Let me feel it, God. So that those emotional pains, those, those, those physical pains, God, those that are walking to a, a, a financial or spiritual or relational pain, that God, I will see it and my heart will be moved by it. You see, kingdom builders so many times can be linked to just about financial giving. But I pray over the next couple of weeks that, that our, our kingdom builders' eyes will expand to see the needs and the hurts and the opportunities around the world and something will move my heart. Let's be honest, it's easy. To, uh, it's so easy to get busy. And when I get busy, it's the death to kindness. It's the death of allowing the love of God to flow through me. But when I get so busy, I don't want to be bothered and I'm going to miss the opportunities to show the mercy of God. I've said before, if, if you really want to see America, you don't take an airplane across America. You're not going to see America when you're, when you're uh, you know, several thousand feet in the air, you're going to just go over the land. You don't really get to see it. No, if you want to see America, you got to get in a car. You can drive a, across America. If you really want to see it, you get out and you begin walking and you're really going to see it. And the idea is the slower you go, the more you see. 
If we get busy, we speed through, we get in a hurry, we're gonna miss the opportunities to show the love of God. Look here in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 24, look out, look in your outline there. Look out for what? Others, for the good of others. Galatians 6, verse eight, in the Message Bible, Paul says, the person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, harvests a crop of weeds. And he'll have to show for his life, all he'll have to show is the weeds. Another thought I wanna leave you with is I wanna show you in these final moments that courageous compassion not only sees it, but we begin to sympathize with it. The second traveler, he looks, he stares, but then he goes to the other side. He saw the need, but he went to the other side. He doesn't help him. This attitude, if you're taking notes, is an attitude of apathy. Avoidance, but then apathy. It's not enough to see needs if I don't feel the needs and do something about it. Every year in Kingdom Builders uh, Convention, I'll share with you, we can see these opportunities, we can see the need, we can see what's happening, but it's not enough just to feel compassion, we gotta do something about it. And that's the fourth thought I want you to write down, is that we seize the moment to help others. My prayer for 2021 as a church is that yes, we will feel the glory of God and we will sense the, the, the power of God moving. But my prayer is that we'll be messengers of hope, that we will see and we will seize and respond to the needs that are around us. You see, this third traveler, the Samaritan, he had an attitude that he was gonna treat others how he wanted to be treated. He had an attitude, if you're taking notes, you can write it down, of awareness. He saw and he responded. Matthew, Matthew chapter seven and verse 12 says, always treat others as you would like them to treat you. The Samaritan took him, bound up his wounds, poured oil and, and wine and ointment, ointment on him. He took an initiative. He began to do something. He used what he had the oil, the wine, the disinfectant, the, the, the bandaging him up, putting him on his own donkey, taking him to the inn. He didn't wait for a professional. It wasn't dial 911 and keep driving. He stopped and he did something. You know what I've learned in my own life? If I'll slow down, when I get busy, when I get in a hurry, when I see the task that's before me, I've got a schedule and I'm moving. I miss what's around me. But if I'll slow down, and if I'll be willing to be interrupted, if I'll learn and, and be willing that things aren't going to be convenient, to show kindness isn't always convenient, but love takes time. And if I will allow myself to be interrupted and see the needs that are around me, that the reality is that God can show so much love and kindness through me. I mean, the Samaritan could have had all kinds of excuses. <laughs> it's a Jew. Prejudice could have kept him away. It's a Jew. The Jews hate me. I'm not gonna do something for him. They hate me. Maybe he'd been mistreated as a young Samaritan boy growing up. Those could have kept him from serving. 
Maybe it was, you know, man, if I, get in, if I get involved, those bandits might be around somewhere waiting for me. And they'll come beat me up, steal my clothes and, and my possessions. Oh, he's probably already dead. He's half dead. He's beaten. He's bruised. He's beyond help. So many excuses that it could have came up. But he took the initiative. Paul says it this way in Galatians, whenever you have the opportunity help to help anyone we should do it we should give special attention to those who are in the family of God so I think the Lord would be saying to me maybe to all of us is what's your excuse whenever there's an opportunity are you willing to be interrupted Are you willing to move past your own fears, your own prejudices? Are you willing to move past what you normally would do to let the love of God, to have the opportunity of kindness to to flow through you? Last night in the final moments, I I did a quick study of, of some of the things and reasons why we should show kindness. Well, because God has been kind to us. God's wonderful kindness is what saves you, Paul says in Ephesians 2. Why should I show kindness? Kindness is an act of worship. It honors God. Proverbs 14, 31, kindness shown to the poor is an act of worship. Oh, we think worship is just coming in and and singing songs and, and coming into a worship auditorium or tuning in on live stream. But here it says worship is showing kindness. Why am I saying there's got to be courageous compassion? Is because when we do, we worship him. Proverbs 14, 31, whenever, whoever, excuse me, is kind to the needy, they honor God. Someone today said, God, I want to honor you in your worship. God, I want to honor you. I want to, I want to exalt you. I want to magnify you. I want to honor you. Well, Proverbs said, whoever is kind to the needy, honors God. Kindness makes you happy. Proverbs 12, 25. Kind words will cheer you up. You had a tough year. You had a tough time. Things are going wrong. Look how you can refresh others and bind up their wounds and watch what God begins to do in you. Kindness makes you attractive. Proverbs 19, 22. Kindness makes a man attractive. Kindness makes other people want to be kind to you. Boy, Scripture says that you and I, when we show love and kindness like that, God begins to show it back to us. The final thought is that this gentleman binds up his wounds, puts oil and wine and and disinfectant and bandages on him, puts him on his his own donkey and, and takes him to an inn, cares for him throughout the night, and then the next day pays for the continual... Man, when you look at the... The compassion that flew, flow, flowed from him, man, he pays that radical generosity that began to flow from his life. He pays and says, whatever it takes, I'll pay the rest. What I know is courageous compassion shows itself through radical generosity. 
This third traveler had that attitude, the Samaritan of generosity. He had an attitude of awareness and he saw it was do unto others what I want them to do unto me. And boy, kindness always costs. There's a price tag to kindness. It requires a sacrifice of my time, my energy, my money, my reputation. But when I do, when I allow that gratitude, that, that, that generous gratitude to begin to flow from my life, man, God gets glorified. Let me share with you one final scripture. In Isaiah 58 and verse 10, if it's conditional, if you feed the hungry and take care of the needs of those who are troubled, then there's the condition. If you feed the hungry and you take care of the needs of those who are troubled, then your light will shine in the dark. The Lord will always lead you. Someone today was saying, God, I have, I have some decisions to make. I want guidance. I want direction. What I'm telling us today is that there has got to be in you and I an understanding that courageous compassion moves the hand of God in our life. Then, then your light will shine in the darkness the Lord will always lead you and he'll satisfy your needs in the dry lands. And you'll be like a spring that never runs dry. A couple years ago when we took the team uh, uh, to Israel, we took a group to Israel. We've been now, I think, four times to Israel. Uh, myself leading teams from the church. And there's always a spot that I love to go. It's the, it's the springs where Gideon took the army down. And the army would go down to the springs. And you know the story out of Judges where he separated those that were to go into the next season of the battle. And by the way, nothing was wrong with those that were sent back home. It doesn't say they had character issues. doesn't say there was any problems. It doesn't say they weren't warriors. It just, they weren't what God had intended for the next battle that was before them. And every time we go there, except for this last time, this spring really is not a spring that's flowing, but it was just like a, just like a drip that's coming out of the rock. You know, it's just like water that was coming out of the rock and it was, it would, it would sit there, but there was no gushing, you know, spring that would lead to the stream flowing from it. But this last time we went, man, it was gushing. It was flowing. It was like a, it was like a small creek that now has turned into almost a small little river that was beginning to flow. We always get down. We, we do the, the story of Gideon that's there. But when I read a scripture like this, I think the year spring will never run dry. What's your springs in your life that you need God to do? He says, it'll never run dry. Your own soul will be nourished as you are kind. Over the next couple weeks, I want to challenge you in two ways. In our final moments here, I'm going to invite our worship team to come on back up. In the next few weeks, I want to encourage you, first of all, to say, God, open my eyes. 
Let courageous compassion begin to flow every day. Who is my neighbor? And God, as I begin to see my neighbors, those that are around me, those that come in and out of my life, God, let courageous compassion begin to flow from me. Let love begin to be demonstrated. Secondly, I want to challenge us that in the next few weeks as kingdom builders, that we will have open hearts, that God would have us to do more than we've ever done, to show compassion and love like we've never been able to show it before, that faith would rise up. Faith promise, we'll explain more in a few weeks, but faith would rise up with compassion that says, God, these are needs and these are opportunities. And God, I wanna help make, I wanna help make an impact for your kingdom. You know, this year I'm believing that even as we continue to come through this pandemic, that there'll be such generosity that will come from the family of Christian Life Center, that we'll be messengers of hope around the world. I want you to begin to prepare your heart. I want you to be ready. You already heard about the Haiti project. project. Inside the brochure is uh, some of the other projects that we'll be sharing with you next week. You've already heard about Haiti for $25 for one year, $25, two years, excuse me, for $25, two years, one time gift of $25 that for two years we can put a young girl from Haiti into the girls empowerment program that focuses on giving them life skills, focuses on helping them with their identity and who they are in Christ. And thirdly, helps them to begin to be discipled and mentored, bring others into a journey with them so that we can begin to make a difference in Haiti. For the last several years, I've been looking for projects that we can have a major impact in a nation. And this is one of those projects for $25. I think all of us can do at least one of these young girls. There's gonna be other projects that we're gonna share. And I just pray that compassion will well up within us and that we'll say, God, as you've blessed us, we've been blessed to be a blessing to the nation. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And today, I said from the very beginning and I say it at the very end, that this is a call, this is a call to be courageous in compassion. That God, our eyes would be opened. That God, we would not become like the priest or the Levite, but that God, we would have the attitude of the Samaritan. Lord, help us, develop us, enable us, not only to see it, the Levite saw, the priest saw, but they did nothing about it. But God, let us be like the Samaritan even though it may be somebody that we grew up hearing how much they hated us. Even though, Father, there was maybe deep pain and hurt and, and even uh, feelings that he had to overcome himself. There was a courageous compassion that rose up. I pray that in my own life. I pray that for us as a church. That God, we will see that all the law can be summed up in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Lord, I pray that we will demonstrate that, that we will be messengers of hope, to take a message of hope everywhere to everyone. 
in your name. Amen and amen. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.